Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Rima Katz. Today, we're exploring how traditional financial institutions are navigating the demands of real-time transactions. With consumers and businesses expecting instant payments and seamless digital experiences, banks and credit unions are on a journey of digital transformation. However, many are hindered by legacy core banking systems, potentially losing ground to nimble digital-first competitors. Joining me today to delve into this is Carlos Neto, co-founder and CEO of Matera, and Elisa Tavilla, Director of Debit at Javelin Strategy and Research. I'm excited to have you both here today. Carlos, you have decades of experience in core banking modernization and more recently instant payments that I think will be super interesting for our listeners. Banks and credit unions in the U.S. want to offer real-time digital experiences to their customers to really match what other companies do for them in their everyday lives. We're all used to watching our favorite shows when we want, where we want. We're all used to ordering our favorite dinner to be brought to our front door in 15 minutes, getting some strangers to drive us to the airport on demand. But a lot of financial institutions are challenged to provide these experiences because the technology they have to work with was set up in the 80s. It's not in the cloud, it's batch-based, and it has to go down for periodic maintenance. You've seen how financial institutions can navigate this challenge based on your experience in Brazil. And to kind of get us started, to give us some background, can you tell me a bit about yourself and what Matera does? I'm a founder and CEO of Matera. We started a company like 30 years ago, and uh, basically we started doing core banking solutions in the beginning. And today we are leaders here in Brazil for the core banking solutions. We have uh, many international banks, American banks, the largest one, and many others. And when PIX arrived, we helped a lot, Central Bank, we worked in the working group there to develop PIX. And PIX is basically account to account payment. So when you have account-to-account payment, it's core banking to core bank payment. So Matera played a very important role on PIX because you are transferring money between two banks and you are controlling the balance on both sides, the payer and the receiver side. What surprised you the most after PIX took off? When PIX took off, you know, since PIX is using, being used by uh, people to send money to friends or paying stores, reading QR code, because PIX is not only real, it's not a way to move money from one bank account to another bank account. PIX is about use case too. So you have a QR code, you have a directory so you can send money to your friends. You have a standard UI, so every bank that is providing PIX, you have a similar UI for people to know how to use. It made PIX to grow so fast, you know, so fast, much, much faster than we were expecting. So it moved from zero to five billion transactions a month in three years. I'm not talking five billion transactions a year. It's five billion transactions a month in just three years, no? So it's incredible how it grew and how it affects the core banking. Because PIX is account-to-account payment. It means the money gum, comes from one account and it goes to another account. One DDA account to another DDA account. One bank, another bank, nobody in the middle. It's just one bank paying another bank. So it all these transactions, they hit the DDA system. And most of the DDA systems, including ourselves, we, we never designed the system to keep up with this high volume of transaction. So the big challenge for us was how to make a core banking that we started writing like in the 90s to keep up with this terrific and incredible high volume of transactions that PIX brought to the market. As a core banking provider to the market, how did you support your clients through this time? Yeah, our core banking started in the 90s. It's different from 
older systems because our car bank is already in Linux, runs on Java, relational database. So it's old, but not that old. In the United States have some core banking, they do not even use a relational database, for example, no. But even though we never design our core bank to be 24 by 7, you know, like um, stopping during the night for accruing some accounts and so forth is natural. And uh, making our core banking to be read for instant payment and forcing our clients to update for a newer version it was not an option. We could not say, hey, we're going to modernize the entire core bank to be 24 by 7. Your banks, you banks, you're going to have to upgrade your new version. And by the way, you're going to have Pix now. And by the way, you have to upgrade your digital channel to keep up with Pix. It's too much to be made in two years, you know, because Pix was launched after two years when you start working on this, you know, during the pandemic and so forth. So um, how to keep up with Pix if you cannot modernize our own core banking? to be 24 by 7. Pix has to be 24 by 7. So we create what we did, the idea that crossed our mind, that saved our life. We create a much simpler system for bank accounts that could enhance our existing core. We call this a light ledger. So it's a light DD system that runs on top of our own core banking. This light ledger, it doesn't perform all the activities a ledger has to perform for DDA systems. Like uh, a lot of um, regulatory reports you have to send, uh, we don't need to do this in real time. What you need to do in real time? What was the challenge? The challenge was to keep the user happy. The user has to be able to see the balance, see the statement and use the money, pay and receive. That's it. So why to do more than necessary? It was just two years, pandemic, peaks. Let's keep focus on what we need. So by creating this light ledger, we could keep up with all the demand from Pix and our core bank is okay. So our core bank is the same. We made some improvements, but just operational improvements. We, we could, we did not, it was not required to modernize completely the core bank, replace the core banking. He's still there doing his job, but this light ledger is actually supporting all this volume. So that's was our solution, you know, to keep up with the market demand and not wasting too much money, not investing too much money, and not putting our clients into risky situation. Carlos, thank you for setting the stage there for us and really speaking to your experience like in Brazil and what you've seen. To kind of bring it over to the U.S. market, can you speak to the parallels or lessons that can be learned and can be applied from <clears throat> Brazil? Yeah, there are many lessons. I have first to know that Brazil is Brazil, U.S. is U.S., you know, so we have different cultures, regulations, scenarios, market, and so forth, you know. We know that Fed now is not growing as fast today, and uh, if you get to the reasons that peaks grew so fast, you have, like, uh, aliases and QR code, but you have alias today in the United States. You have Enmo, you have uh, Zelle, but you didn't have in Brazil. So uh, that was one difference we have. So I would say that, and, and but... Zelle is doing great in the United States. Uh, Fed now is going to start doing great for sure. And uh, not like Brazil, but it's doing great. And I've heard that some banks, some big banks, are red having like 10 times more transactions in Zelle than they used to have before. So the problem I described in Brazil with those terrific numbers of transactions are coming to the U.S. through Zelle. No? My opinion is that uh, a big step for in the United States would be creating a standard QR code or a standard way to for payments on stores. 
because you don't have this standard yet. So uh, if you have this standard QR code, that's going to be generic. I mean, I can be use I can use this QR code for Zelle, could be using for FedNow, RTP, whatever. You know, it can create a new use case for FedNow and instant payment, so it can grow. Because for something to work out, like what happened with Pix, has to be a reason. I need a reason to open my phone and use something, you know. In Brazil, uh, sending money to friends and so forth was a good reason to learn. In the United States, mm, I don't know. Probably it's not going to be a good reason because you have other tools to do this already, you know. But paying stores with the QR code, get a big discount for that, you know, because the merchant is going to pay a much lower MDR, so they're going to be happy with that. They're going to give you, as a consumer, one big discount, you know. So it's going to be a good reason for you to use instant payments. So uh, I believe that's going to be a very good next step United States, no, to be older, to be okay uh, with this stuff, no. Lisa, I'm sure that you're seeing some parallels between what's happening in the U.S. market and what's happening elsewhere. Can you speak to, you know, what you're seeing in the space? Sure. Thanks, Rima. As Carlos noted, there are certainly many differences between Brazil and the U.S., or in fact, the U.S. and other markets that are adopting real-time or instant payments. First off, unlike Brazil, the Federal Reserve does not mandate FedNow adoption, or is there any mandate in the U.S. uh, to adopt real-time payment systems? We also have a very complex uh, and diverse banking and payments ecosystem with uh, 9 to 10,000 financial institutions, so certainly getting agreement or a consistent standard around QR codes that Carlos noted, as well as other technology, whether it's APIs or an alias system, certainly that's a bit more complicated and would take time to achieve. With the diversity, I think um, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that there are no two institutions that are exactly the same, which also makes it difficult to roll out technology and adoption in a rapid way. Many of these financial institutions rely heavily on their core providers and legacy systems. Some have been updating their systems, but I think as you noted, Carlos, it's requires a significant amount of resources and can be disruptive to do a complete overhaul. But with solutions like Matera's uh, digital twin and what you had described, uh, it should make it easier to help banks and credit unions adopt and adapt their systems to a a real-time growth settlement system as opposed to a batch system, which is uh, what many are used to and also to be able to accommodate the high volume. Here at Javelin, some of the trends we're seeing is that businesses and consumers want faster ways to pay and move their money, and many are relying on their financial institutions to offer these services. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, uh, Carlos, when saying the use cases are certainly critical in adoption and generating new revenue streams and offering new products. FedNow and as well as RTP are both networks and the more participants you can get on the networks, uh, that'll increase the value and robustness of the network effects. So regardless of how the financial institution decides to connect, whether it's uh, adapting their existing solutions or investing in a complete overhaul, it'll certainly 
be important um, and ideally to do it sooner rather than later because there is a lot of customer demand for faster ways to pay. So you certainly don't want to risk uh, your customers going to a competing financial institution for their services. And um, if you don't mind, uh, I would like to add something on this parallel between the U.S. and Brazil. People in the United States, they don't feel people so positive about instant payments like it's in Brazil. Like, oh, in Brazil, there is the mandate. That's true. But nobody was mandated to use. Use because there was a use case. There was a purpose. We could get a benefit from using that. But of course, banks being pushed to offer to us helped a lot, you know, especially creating the network effect. But it's growing. Like Zelle is already processing a reasonable amount of transactions every year. You know? The amount of participants on FedNow is growing like crazy. You know? uh, so we just adjust here because it was 300. Now it's 400. So my piece of advice is like banks, you don't trust too much that it's going to fail. You cannot say it's 0% chance to succeed. There is a big chance, there is a reasonable chance that those instant payments all together, because there is competition in the United States, you have three rails, they are competing with each other, you know, a big chance they're going to generate a high volume of transactions on the DDA system. So my piece of advice would be, hey, banks, pay attention to this, because you, you cannot start thinking about this problem when it's too late. Because if you don't, if you're not ready for this market, your clients are going to switch to another bank for sure that is ready, you know. So it's important to see what's happening here and to do something to be protected against some success on those instant payments rails, you know. To kind of like dig even deeper to what you both spoke about and really focusing in on instant payments, it's such a hot topic right now in the U.S., especially, you know, with the launch of Fed now um, last July. And Carlos, as you mentioned, the banks that are participating has increased. We're now at 400 and credit unions have also signed on. So RTP is the other instant payment scheme here and volumes also are continuing to go up. And there's a ton of excitement and everyone's really trying to figure out how to unleash the potential of these new rails to meet the everyday demands of consumers these days. Carlos, given your experience in Brazil, what do you think is in store for the U.S. with instant payments? Well, what you have today in the U.S. that you can use uh, RTP and FedNow, do it is especially topping funds on wallets. So merchants having wallets to collect payments of zero in your, you know, they can now make an instant top up and pay with RTP or FedNow, even if FedNow doesn't offer today a standard QR code. So that's, I believe that's money on the table. I mean, companies that can use it today, you know? And um, you know that in the US, MDRs, they hurt merchants. Merchants, they don't like MDRs, it's raising every year, you know? So uh, if, if merchants, if they have a way to collect payments directly from the bank, and ACH was not good because ACH was not real time. So you cannot get your bag of stuff from the supermarket. And the supermarket is going to find out tomorrow that you didn't have the money to pay through ACH. It was not good. No, it was good for bill pay, whatever, but not for purchasing stores. With FedNow and RTP now, you can do this. So uh, some investments on enabling existing apps from merchants 
to have some connection with the bank of the, the consumer. You don't need to open a new bank account, whatever, the bank you have. You just link your bank account to the app from the merchant, like for Starbucks, for example. Starbucks, you have credit cards on file. You could have your bank on file. And Starbucks could like pull the money from your bank account using FedNow, for example, reducing a lot their costs with MDRs. No, they can good, they could give you more stars, for example, if you top up your balance using FedNow instead of cards, for example. No. So I believe that's a good good thing to explore what exists today, you know. And also, you know, um, my recommendation would be merchants and banks working together to define this standard for QR code and NFC, you know. It's just a matter of putting everybody in a room, locking the room, and unlocking when it's ready. Just joking, not that simple, but it's just agreement on a standard. Like first byte is going to be this, second byte is going to be that, third byte is going to be that, you know. If they just define the standard, like a merchant can, for example, read the QR code and transfer the money, get the money uh, using push mechanism from the bank of the payer, you know, no matter if that money is being transferred through RTP, FedNow, Zelle, or whatever, you know. So this QR code, my idea, should be agnostic. In Brazil, you just have one QR code because you just have one rail, just picks. In the US, you have a red three. So it's very important that merchants drive this to force the creation of this standard so every bank account holder can go to a store and pay by bank, no matter the rail it's going to use. You know? And uh, don't need to be just QR code. A lot of people say, hey, tapping is better. can be tapping too. When you say about QR code, just a bunch of bytes that are going to be transferred from your cell phone to the merchant system there. You can transfer using NFC. It's going to demand like Apple to allow apps to use NFC today. You cannot use just for Apple Pay, but probably Apple is going to be forced to, to, to release this uh, NFC to be used by other apps. And uh, Android already permits that. So um, I believe that would be a very smart movement from merchants to work on this standard. Lisa, how about yourself? You've done a predictions report where you kind of have a crystal ball in front and you're anticipating what may happen the two or two. Any tidbits that you can share? Sure. I think use cases are absolutely critical and important. As uh, Carlos mentioned as well, while in Brazil, P2P was a primary use case that has been extremely successful on PICS, I think in the U.S. we haven't seen quite the adoption uh, with real-time payments, whether it's FedNow or RTP with P2P payments. But that being said, I think part of that might be due to the fact that before RTP or FedNow was integrated into P2P apps like Venmo or Zelle, the instant payments or to consumers and the users, it seemed like their money was already moving instantly when they sent it to their friends or family, but behind the scenes, the money wasn't necessarily moved instantly. Although today, depending on the user's financial institution, the money is moved uh, over RTP, for example. But as Carlos mentioned, um, defunding those wallets has been a primary use case on RTP and FedNow in the U.S. Earned wage access is another use case as well as defunding for gaming accounts. I think focusing on the use cases that provide the most value to customers 
would be important. Um, and ones that come to mind are payments that are time sensitive or urgent, for example, like insurance disbursements or government disaster relief. It'll be interesting to see um, as the U.S. Treasury is uh, a FedNow participant, what use cases they decide to use real-time payments for. Also, I would imagine in the auto industry where transactions are often conducted outside of business hours, or that's the most convenient time where consumers tend to go shop for their vehicles, whether it's in the evening or after or on weekends. And uh, currently, they are bound by business hours in terms of moving money and real estate as well, where the transactions tend to be complex and also um, highly dependent on business hours. As Carlos noted, uh, there's a lot of interest around being able to use real-time payments at the point of sale or in e-commerce in the retail industry and with merchants as well. It saves on uh, cost for merchants and can certainly provide a good user experience for customers. But currently, it seems there's no consistent user interface or, for example, a QR code in the U.S., but it would be helpful. And I think there are many efforts that are ongoing already where there's industry collaboration between merchants, financial institutions, service providers, uh, and other parties to establish a consistent standard so this can be implemented. Ultimately, I think it's important to focus on use cases that solve customer pain points because they can help automate processes, for example, improve efficiency. And if it's important to focus on your customers and what their needs are and make sure that you prioritize those use cases and that should help uh, with more adoption and providing value for your customers. I'd like to add that it's all about use case. No, uh, if you want Fed now and other instant payments where it should be used, you need to focus on use case. One thing that uh, Central Bank in Brazil did very well, we just talk about use case before talk about technology for radios, for example. We just said, okay, we want the user to get the phone, type in the phone number and press a button named send, and the money is going to be sent in 10 seconds. After we talk about that, which technology are you going to use? Are you going to use your ISO messages or blockchain? Because both were going to support our use case. So we one thing we did very well was working from outside to the inside. Instead of engineering the rail before, we just spoke about use case. And for the US, I believe that is a good way to go now. It's thinking, where can you use a Fed now an RTP that's going to be good for the society, good for the economy, that's going to bring efficiency, you no? Know? And QR code is a kind of a killer thing because QR code can be in the store, QR code can be the utility bill, can be the credit card bill, can be used to collect tax, can be used to many things, you no? Know? So uh, QR code is not only to be in the merchant for you to pay in the store, can be used for many places. For example, my power electric bill here in Brazil, I, the only way to pay is through Pix today, my own, you know? So they don't in, allow me to pay in any other way. I pay all my tax using Pix because of the QR code. So it's incredible how this standard QR code can open many, many, and make viable many, many different use cases. And most of the use cases I mentioned here, probably cost to collect payments is very high. 
in the US today. If people are sending checks over the mail, I'm sure that's very expensive, you know. And if you start using this QR code, I'm pretty sure for the economy it's gonna be very good because it's gonna bring a lot of efficiency to the economy, you know. So use the case, use the case, use the case. Yeah, I just uh, completely agree with Carlos and I just want to emphasize uh, the importance of use cases. And I feel that is, as I noted in our Javelin 2024 trends, the focus will shift from the launch of FedNow and uh, the networks and participation. While that is all still important, and as we all noted earlier, is growing for both FedNow and RTP, but the emphasis will be on use cases this year, enabling them and creating more value for the participants that are already connected to both or either network, as well as the newer financial institutions and service providers that will be joining FedNow and RTP. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and perspective. And thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe and stay updated on the latest Payments Journal episodes. And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues.